to play in the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Turn handle in left side. Finds a little bit of a hole, keeps his leg moving. He's across the 40, midfield, 45, he's on the run winch. 40, pushes the man, 35, look at him go. He's down to 20, 15, he could go. He is going to go. Touchdown, Seahawks. Oh, my word. A 67-yard run. Marshawn Lynch, unbelievable. The beast is alive and well. Wide receivers to either side. Russell takes the snap. He drops back. He's going to throw down the middle. He's got a man. Come on. It has been decided, maybe since the safety in the first quarter. 12, they're bringing the trophy home. Your Seahawks, Super Bowl 48 champion. Ladies and gentlemen, Seahawks and football fans everywhere, a very warm welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks podcast. I hope you're all doing well. Um, another week, another win, sweeping the Cardinals, baby. That is just what we do. Um this season, man, keep saying it, this season is just an acid trip and I love it. Um, and at the start of every podcast, as I said in the no, last podcast, no. oh, sorry, Pez, sorry, Pez, but these Hawks keep on winning, Jimbo keeps on singing. That is the new motto of this podcast. I'm I'm, I'm draining that for every drip I can get out of it, so you're going to have to put up with it. Um, Leonard Skinner is the, uh, is it, I've put 50p in the jukebox, Leonard, Leonard Skinner <laughs> is on tonight. Um with a little little remix, a little variation, a little little acoustic version. Um, and it's something like, I think it goes, Go home, Arizona. <laughs> the Hawks are just too good for you. <laughs> Go home, Arizona. Oh, Beating the Hawks just ain't for you. Are you having that, Pez? Are you having that, do, Pez? Do you know what? Good lyrics. Go, I'll give you that. Oh, it's not just a it's not just an on the fly segment. I I prepare all day for that. The oh, start that you messed it up that. at the start though, but you I know. Did. I'm going to edit that bit you out. Can, you can edit it out, but yeah, there everyone you go. So well, you're all right. Then. Fair enough. I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm getting used to this little singing bit. I've got positive pez. You've got sing along like karaoke with James. Yeah, carry on with James. <laughs> I do think it's this season, isn't it? It's just loopy. It's just... It's, it's sending everyone a bit loopy. Certainly is. You're either getting over-optimistic or you're just enjoying the ride and just getting weird with it. I've got statolitis yeah. for some reason this year and you've got singleitis. <laughs> Sing- Hey, I'm, I'm I'm happy with sing along like it's 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 incurable at this moment in time, but it's got no real side effects, so I'm not feeling the pain. Um, I, yeah, I'm happy, man. Um, no Josh tonight, but we'll 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 make up with it with with positive Pez and 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 me. I'm I'm sure you I'm sure you're fine with that. Um, tonight, it, it's it's the routine. It's we're going to start with Geno Smith. 
Then we're going to get to Tyler Lockett. Pause a little interesting question to to Pez here if he if he feels the same as I do, maybe on Tyler Lockett. Um, then we've got the Wonder Kid Ken Walker. Uh, the tight ends as well. Pick your poison, lads, because these tight ends are killing people this year. Um, and then we're going to get to the defense. And oh my goodness me, um, these lads again just turning it round on that side of the ball. Um, Continue so many, excitement. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try because I haven't got many many pairs of underwear left. Pairs, as you well know, um, it's nearly Christmas, mate. It's nearly, it's nearly Christmas. Christmas, but I'll tell you what, Santa's got a job on his hands because I need a restock in my wardrobe. Uchenna um, Nawasu, Ryan Neal, Tariq Woolen, Corby Bryant, all that good stuff, um, and then positive pairs. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll always find something positive at the end of the podcast. Um, but before we get to Geno Smith. And before we start getting on to the individual players, I just want to say that I think this is the win. Other than the Broncos game, this is the win that I'm most happy with this season um, because it's a different kind of win. And it's a win that's called winning ugly. It's a win, it, it, it's, it's what good teams do. The sign of a good team is teams that can go into these kind of games and win ugly. You can't just blow out teams every week. You can't just beat teams up every week. In some games, it doesn't go your way and you've got to win ugly. Bills couldn't win ugly this week. That's a, that's the side. I'm just saying the, the Hawks have won ugly. And before you jump in, Pez, I just think that it's the sign. If, if To win these kind of games, you've got to have you've got to have three things and it shows that you've got three things. You've got to have a really good set of players with the right attitude. It shows that you've got a really good coaching staff on, on, on your team to coach guys up to win these kind of games in these big moments and these tough, ugly games when things aren't going right. Good coaching staff, good attitude. And it, and it's a philosophy and a culture that that, that everyone's pulling around and for and, and, and still fighting for and, and pulling in the same direction. It just, these kind of wins, although they aren't the prettiest, these are the wins that good teams win. These ugly wins, these 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 dirty, crap games that you just want to be finished and move on to next week because it's an awful game. But we 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 win. We win ugly. And and you can't you can't win pretty every week, Pez. I know you I know you'd love to. I know we'd all love to, but you can't win you can't win pretty every week. You've got to win ugly some weeks and we have this week. Right. I don't agree with the ugly bit. I don't agree with the ugly bit. You think because... that was a pretty win? No, I, I don't think it was ugly. I don't. To me, I don't. I don't think we struggled. We just did what we did in the first game. Over the two games, we gave them fourteen points. So in the first game, in the first game, take the seven points off what we gave them. Mm-hmm. They would have scored two points. Yeah. Not one minute. Because did they get a safety that game? Uh, I can't remember. I can honestly not remember. Um, they may have done. No, because I think they went for two, didn't they? On the interception pick six. So, take six points away, sorry. Mm-hmm. Literally a field goal. So, that would have been 19-3. Mm-hmm. You take away this, again, pick six, seven points. That's 31-24. Mm-hmm. So that's not ugly. We just dominated them. It was ugly. And if you add, not that stupid fourth down, well, at some point we'll get on to because I'm all for going for it on fourth down. 
it didn't make sense because the play just broke down within a ma- matter of seconds. It's like it wasn't even, there's no commitment. But you add the three points of the field goal, what we could have got, you're then talking 34 24. Mm-hmm. Right? What's the score at half time? No, thir- 34. I got that wrong then, didn't I? 34-16, right? At half-time, it was 10-7. Yeah. But the thing is... It's an ugly game. Deep, no, it, but the thing is, though, it wasn't. It the was. defence wasn't that good in the first half. No. The, the, the teams of old, the defence of old, like the Legion of Boone, they'd have these games to start really stopping the first half, come out in the second half and dominate. Mm. And we took control of the game, whether that's because Kyler Murray's arguing with... De- DeAndre Hopkins on the sideline, the the whole team looks an absolute catastrophe. You've got Cliff Kingsbury trying to talk to the offense and GM up during the game. Like no really on offense though. That that it, they they had for for a decent amount of time in that first yeah. half in the third quarter right. they figured right. us out. They figured us three, out on offense. Three, three quarters, three yeah. quarters. It was ugly. But the thing with the Cardinals is, they might be a team. The offense. Of offensive side of the ball as a team in who's a shit show. Their mm. defense is a really good defense. You give you give that team Buda Baker, and that team team is solid. But who, what's his name on the their corner? M- Murphy is it? Barry yeah, Murphy. Barry Murphy. Yeah. Shuts it down. Mm-hmm. Like that defense isn't no joke. It's just that their offense can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Like. I can see why you'd say it's ugly, but I personally didn't think I, I, I for this scrappy game I didn't then. even really sweat it. Scrappy game. Scrappy. Scrappy on offense. Yes. Scrappy. Yes. I'll give you that. Thank you. Um just get your word in right next time, all right? All right, yes, yes, boss. Um so then we'll get on to Gino because that's the natural transition. And it was it was scrappy as Pez is correctly stating that I should call it now. It was scrappy for a while for Gino because he throws the pick six. Uh, like I say, I think the the Cardinals made some good adjustments on defence and kind of figured out our tight end, our 13 personnel, our tight end weapons, and, and they, they they were figured out. Other than Noah Fant, the rest of them were figured out. Um, and, and, and it was ugly for a while, but Gino, just when you thought, and just when I thought that, hmm, has he has he finally lost his touch? Is the veil finally coming down? Is it is are the curtains finally starting to draw a little bit? Are we coming down from Geno Smith Dreamland throwing that pick six, which was an awful awful decision? And quite frankly, up until the the third and fourth quarter, and and pretty much up until that pick happened, and then after the pick, um, I thought that was Geno's worst game over the season so far in terms of the reads that he was making. I thought he'd missed. Quite a lot of open reads. Ken Walker, Noah Fant were open on a couple of players, wide open on a couple of players that he completely missed. Um, could have tucked it and ran a couple of times when he chose to maybe try and hang in the pocket and took the sack. Um, I thought he was having a really poor game. Then he throws the pick six and you're thinking, oh my goodness, finally, this is it. This is the game. It's it's It had to be in Arizona. It had to be at State Farm where Geno Smith finally start, the, 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 the blocks start finally tumbling away from Geno Smith's Jenga tower. And then all of a sudden it goes after, off the back of that pick six, three straight scoring drives and we win the game. And, and and all of a sudden, he was making all the right reads, making all the right decisions. He was taking off and running when he should have been. And I'll tell you what, can you remember? Do you, 
Can you remember a quarterback? I can't remember Geno Smith or, or Wilson ever doing that when we had like for a long time. The way he just sidestepped Buda Baker when he was about to absolutely blast Geno Smith, that little whoosh, that little sidestep, the little fairy dust sound effect. It was I it was I thought, oh my god, he's about to take his head off. I thought Buda Baker is about to take Geno Smith's head off. And he just no, just a little tap on the backside as he went past him. Ah, you sit down, lad. First down. I I mean, again, I'll read his stat line out. Obviously, other than the pick six, 26 for 34, 275 yards, two touchdowns to one exception. I mean, but I think, I think, and I'll transition it in to him as well, um, as as we kind of talk about Geno Smith, because I think we have to also start with Noah Fant as well this game, because you called it, I think, last week that Noah Fant is about to have a breakout game. And I'll tell you what, Geno and Noah Fant, they struck up the relationship this week. Um, I, I, did you expect it this game? Because I I didn't, but I tell you what, he was the he was the matchup nightmare, and they, and they exploited it. The the reason I called it last week was it in positive pairs. I think I said he'd get a touchdown or something. The tight ends would go mm. off because because of Byron Murphy. You saw it in the first game. He, he the real like. DK just he just stood stuck with DK all game pretty much. Mm. Took him out of the game. Tyler yeah. got his dues. Tyler got his um things. But I just I just knew this game it would be to, to tight end. Mm-hmm. Like the Cardinals are awful uh, defending the tight end because the the it's almost like they defend the wide receivers the one and two so well. It's like they leave gaps everywhere for a tight end to get into. And really, you look at it. Even though Colby Parkinson's got the body. To be an offensive weapon, Will Disley, he's got great hands, like solid, stout, good catcher. But he's he's more transitioned into that blocking tight end. Noah Fan has always been an offensive weapon. So, like Waldron will probably lean to Fan more. So what we saw in this game, you're probably going to start seeing more of it when Noah Fan, the more integrated and the more comfortable he gets. In this scheme, you'll start seeing the touchdowns come. The touchdowns will start coming. Now he's got the confidence. Now, what was it? He caught a pass with three guys around him. Yeah. Just Every... for a missile. Oh, unbelievable. Straight to his chest yeah. with three defenders around him. I thought, what is he doing? What's he doing? Because, like you said, Gino wasn't throwing. The way I described it on Sunday, in my opinion, was he was throwing lazy. He was throwing so lazy. The pick six, it was lazy. It was mm-hmm. it was an overconfident, arrogant, cocky, fucking, meh, there you go. His body language, everything mm-hmm. about it, just mm-hmm. his whole demeanour was just like, I'll get this, it's fine, whatever. Got overconfident, got overconfident. Um, just with that, transitioning back into Gino quickly, um, whilst we're on him. I agree with what you're saying. He had a really sloppy, sluggish game, but I, I just feel like he got his arrogance. I just think it, overconfidence, maybe taking the team for granted because I don't know. Like his throws were just lazy. He nearly got picked off when DK was going one on one with Baron Murphy. Baron Murphy's no slouch, mm. but DK's got inches on him. But you're throwing it directly at Byron Murphy, throw it up. Make DK go and high point it because he's already got the leverage. Hmm. Byron Murphy might have a fingertips chance of 
getting that ball, but you put it high enough. DK just make him go high point it. He's tall yeah. enough, big enough, should be able to go and do that. And that was the sign, like the tip, and then was the one in the red zone. Buda, where... Yeah, Buda Baker in the in the back of the end zone, underthrown towards DK. I think it was that one. Oh, sorry, it wasn't Byron Murphy. It was it, that's the one I was talking about, the yeah, Buda Baker Buda. one. Yeah. And then there was one just before, just outside yeah, the, the end the end yeah. zone. What was tipped? Yeah, and it looked like. I can't remember who our player was, but it looked like they knocked it out of their hands because it looked like he was going to pick it, but he just uh, flopped on the catch. Mm. But, yeah, it was all sluggish. And do you know what, though? It, it's just another test. I said, I said it, didn't I? I'm not going to apologise to him, but he's just, he's just got to prove me wrong. It's proved me wrong, season. Everyone, mm. everyone. I'm not happy until Pete gets us back to the playoffs and we don't go one and done. If we get to the playoffs and we don't go one and done, then fair play, Pete. You called mm-hmm. it in the preseason, mate. You said this team is still the same team. So I want to see the playoffs out of you before I give you any dues. And it might sound like, like it might sound very critical, and I do get that, but it's just over the years he needs to he needs to prove me wrong. Yeah, he needs to prove fine. me wrong for all the shit. Yeah, you just He's hold him to his wrong. word, aren't you? You just hold him to I'm his, word, him to his word. He said this team is still the same team. So for me now, especially in the position they are now, they have to make the playoffs in that mm. regard for his yeah. standard. That's not the standard I'm holding for this team. That's just the standard I'm holding for Pete because he called it. Mm. With Gino, this game showed me something. I think I mentioned it in a previous pod. Is can Gino win it? against adversity and I was like here we are my brother messaging me having a meltdown like, fucking blah, blah, blah. he's effing and blinding and I can just imagine steam's coming out of his ears proper oh, overly passionate about this team and he's going I'm like bro chill out we're about to find out all we need to know about Geno Smith yeah. and people might go people might listen to that and go what's this guy on about I was like we, we haven't seen Geno Smith properly with his back up against the wall. Yeah. We saw it last year and he failed. Mm-hmm. He couldn't get over the hurdle last yeah. year. When his back was up against the wall and he needs to go and win a game, he couldn't go and do it. This game, I was like, perfect. Let's see what he does. And it's almost like, and I messaged my brother, I said, we're going to see what he's all about. Let's see if this wakes him up. Did it wake him up? He woke up. He Did woke it up. Wake him up. Three straight scoring drives to end the game, man. That's what, and that's what I mean when at the start when I was saying it was a bit ugly, a bit of adversity, but we came through. And 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 Pete Carroll made some interesting comments. I don't know if it was after the. I, th- I think it was after the game. Um, I don't know whether you've seen them, Pez, but I just thought I'd I'd read them out just to just to kind of gauge the opinion on what you what you think of this. Obviously, he didn't name any names when he was saying this, but it's fairly obvious what he was referring to. Um, he said, if you notice, Gino's going off the wristband, and that's a big help. It smoothed things up, it smoothed things out, cleaned things up, and that's part of it too. We never did that before. And, and then he went on to say there was resistance to doing that before, so we didn't do that. Any Any thoughts on those comments? I don't, I don't care. I don't care. 
because yeah. it's about it's about Russ. I it don't is. I don't care. It's it's all clickbaity stuff. What people on social media can get all hard about and this that and the other. But so what? That's just Russ. That's just Russ. Russ loves. I've got it all up here. It's all mental. I've got everything up here. Because Russ probably believed that using a wristband and using a, a, a check band, mm-hmm. it would limit him mm-hmm. somehow. I don't know. I really hey, don't know. You can't limit I mean, Mr. Unlimited, can you? You can't be doing that. Maybe that's why. Um, just an interesting little quote there from from Pete. Obviously, it... it, it yeah. And you can you can see, because it's what we've been saying all, all, all year, the offence looks more efficient, but it looks more right. drilled and... and so the thing is, right, by the time Waldron and uh, the, I'll try not to take you down the rabbit hole with my thoughts on this. So my actual thoughts on this is it's a bit of a shit comment, probably because Pete is the ultimate rah-rah guy. Mm. He knows what he's doing. He knows that will get the fans pumped. He knows that's going to get the fans talking, jacked up, raring to go. I don't care what anyone says. He didn't just say that. Oh, I just said it just off the cuff. Pete never says anything off the cuff. It's always see. It's always either a, a over overblown lie or an overblown truth. He, he understands where this team is, and he understands where they could potentially be. Mm-hmm. Meaning he needs every asset of the team on full burners, meaning every home game from now on, you make Lumen Field like the old Century Link. Mm-hmm. Booming, rattling. You start seeing the flags for t- quarterbacks from that time because they can't hear the deafening noise again. And saying comments like that is going to get everyone pumped up. It's going to get everyone pumped up. But the thing is, by the time Waldron and the big changes in this offense happened. Russ is like later in his career. I don't I don't even know if Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers does Patrick Mahomes wear a band? I don't know. I think Alan does, but I'm not sure on the others. Yeah, Alan does. But he's just a weird freak hybrid yeah. like pocket passing, not pockets passing quarterback. He's a fucking freak of nature. But the thing is also take into context. Gino actually can use that armband now. Yeah. Let's not get too carried away with all the hate and all the things about it. When Waldron first came in, we never played like this. And I know the fan base want to all go, that's because of Russ. It's not just because of Russ. It's not. And if you believe it's all because of Russ, then fine but it's not people have got to remember the context of the off season didn't Jody Allen have a massive conversation with Pete mm-hmm. essentially saying pull your fucking finger out start sorting this team out or are you going to have my boot up your ass is essentially the basic British terms of what I read that conversation went hence Baldwin started taking control look at the end of last year when Russ was still here and clearly, when there's nothing to play for anymore, we started seeing what we're seeing now. Mm-hmm. And Russ was throwing everything everywhere, right? 
So this isn't, uh, oh, I love Russ and I don't love Russ. It's just context, right? It's just context. I just I brought this up purely because I knew I knew I'd get a reaction out of you for those comments, you, and that's only why I've done it, mate. I know you did. I know you did, and I tried. I tried my best to stay out of it. It's just it, context, man. It's it context. Is. He's gone, and like I don't give a shit. Fuck him. He's done. He's not Seahawk anymore. He'll go down as great. Like I've said numerous times, I just don't care about him. And I just feel like that comment by Pete is he's harnessing the wave he's on right now because he knows exactly what he needs to do in the situations of making every single element possible to get him a win. I, I, I For what it's worth, mate, I completely agree with you. And I'm now going to try and twist the knife with you again because Tyler Lockett, um, let's see if I can get a reaction out of you with Tyler Lockett. Um, because it's it's it is a little bit of a conversation that's happening in in the Seahawks Twitterverse and world at the minute. Tyler Lockett this year more than more than a lot of other years. I don't think I've noticed him doing this particularly as much as I have noticed him doing this this year. Um, he seems to be going down quite early on a lot of plays to avoid contact. Um, we saw it in the Cardinals game. He, he on that third down could have got the first down, would have taken a big whack. And and look, I'm not saying I would have had the bollocks to to dive in that three, four-man Cardinals box of defenders and take that. I'm not saying that. Um, and then, obviously, he took the quite big hit to the helmet um, in which he picked up the first down. But I think if you watch that play closely, I think he gets that helmet-to-helmet hit because he's going down early. Um, I think if he didn't go down early, I don't think he would have taken the hit like he did. <coughs> That's just my opinion. Um, but there's a few... It, it's mixed opinion, split opinion. A lot of people saying, oh, you should, you're an NFL player, you're an NFL receiver contact part of the game you go and get the first down other people sort of a bit more sympathetic saying Do you know what he's protecting his health is 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 you know he signed a big contract last year fully guaranteed was it 69 million odd four-year contract you know he's being paid he's he's a key part of the seahawks offense and he's he's just not going to take hits where he doesn't need to take hits um i'm interested to see where you sit on this pez in terms of do you do you have a problem with not just Lockett, but any real receiver, I guess, because you may as well open it up to any real receiver. Do you have a problem seeing your receiver do what Tyler Lockett's doing at this point, moment in time quite commonly, which is, you know, maybe forfeiting yards and downs to avoid taking a big hit? So at first, my initial reaction was I was pissed because you're in the game, it's tight. Um, like that first down could have mm. really helped. And if we lost the game, I think it would be, a, in my opinion, it, it would be a centre point. But having time to reflect on that, um, no. Like, Tyler came out and said after the, after the game, he said, it's all right for you guys watching it on the telly because you have a nice yellow line. I have nothing to look at. Now, I'm, I'm going to defend Tyler now. I think even if we lost and it was a talking, like it was more of a centre point, like could have that first down, you know, changed the way, way the game went. No, what people need to look at is just appreciate that we still have a pretty fully healthy Tyler Lockett at this stage mm-hmm. of the season. Mm-hmm. Tyler Lockett goes down the way he goes down because he needs to protect his body because since he had that major injury, was it like his second year in the league? 
Mm-hmm. He's suffered so badly with injuries, but I've literally derailed his season. People need to not gripe about it and just appreciate we still have him fully healthy. Yeah. Because people need to maybe look outside the box, look outside of the content of what he's doing, right? And look at it from this perspective. Tyler Lockett runs full ball like he could have. could have run full ball. He's gauging something. Like, I'm guessing NFL players in their head, they'll probably have a count. Like, on the route, they might have, like, one, two, three, turn head, catch the ball. I'd imagine it's systematic like that. Mm-hmm. And then, in that count, your, your elite receivers probably can track yardage as well. But that come, human error comes involved. He clearly went down where he went down because he thought he had the first down. And I, I don't have an issue with that. I don't have an issue with that because I'd rather have a healthy tire locket all season and then if he puts it all on the line, say, in the playoffs and starts getting nicked up then, great. Yeah. He starts running into two defenders, getting his, his small frame kid, getting mm-hmm. his body battered week nine, are we now? Are yeah. we nine or ten? Well, nine? going into week ten now. Yeah, so week nine, we've still eight more games to play. Mm-hmm. And then people, look, look look out the box on this one for me. Anyone who listens who thinks that, and, and look at the depth of the wide receiver position and go, so who, who's next? Goodwin. Goodwin's been starting to get banged up. So the age may be, the age may be been telling with him. We don't know. Eskridge, that... That kid tries his best, mm-hmm. full heart, can't catch anything to save his fucking life. I feel sorry. I, I feel so sorry for him. But you can't rely on him as your wide receiver too. No. Who next? Penny Hart. Penny Hart. Bo Melton. Derek Young. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a proven Young, list, really, is it? Exactly. It's not a proven list. And just look at it from that context. Yes, he might roll down. It might be annoying. It might get frustrating. It, like, but look at it. He runs into two defenders, takes a double sandwich nasty hit, and does something to his body. We've essentially got DK Metcalf and then a bunch of randoms, and we're going to be then a lot easier to defend. Yeah, and and we've mentioned him there. I, I don't have a problem with it because if you look at it this way. If that was D. Eskridge and he did that, would anyone be saying D. Eskridge should take that hit, knowing that D. Eskridge's history with concussions? I think if it was D. Eskridge, everyone would be running to his support saying, Do you know what? No, we understand D. Eskridge has had problems with concussion, so I fully back him not taking that hit because it, it's the safety of the kid. And and it's like you say, would would you rather would you rather Tyler Lockett or just avoid getting a first down in and obviously what pertained to be a meaningless thing anyway because we won the game? Or would you rather see him do that and lose Tyler Lockett for the for the rest of the season? And and look, we're in a position where there's a season that that you know, like we've said on this podcast already. You know, playoffs could playoffs could happen this year, man. We're we're looking like a legit six and three team. You lose Tyler Lockett now, we've got some tough games coming up, and 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 just in general, even if even if we had the Jaguars every week and for the rest of the season. With just DK Metcalf really as your as your only proven receiving option, and and we've struggled to get DK involved as as much as we have done in recent years this year as well. And he's having a little bit of a down year in terms of his numbers so far through the through the first nine weeks. Um, 
the, the the offense all of a sudden becomes incredibly less dynamic. Tyler Lockett is such a key part to this offense, and yeah, look, it, it's it doesn't have like we said, it doesn't have the magic of the yellow line. It doesn't have the benefit of that. And for me, I've got no problem. Tyler Lockett's healthy for next week now because he didn't take that take that hit, and that's fine with me. But I've saved this guy for last because I knew you wouldn't be able to contain yourself. I wanted to see how long you could contain yourself without talking about this guy. So I saved him for last on purpose in terms of the offense. Um, we've got a running back. He wears number nine. He's called Kenneth Walker the third. I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, he, I think he was some second round draft pick out of Michigan. I, I, I don't know. He's apparently he's pretty good. Um, is he pretty good, Pez? <laughs> More. He's just more than pretty good. He's, he's just, all right, isn't he? He's just... Oh, mate. Honestly, it's my favourite. Except for talking about Jordan Brooks, whenever I get the chance. He is just my favourite person to talk about. Like, yet again. If not, maybe worse in this game. He, he just grinds, 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 grinds. And then he just doesn't get tired. No. The kid doesn't get tired. Defense are like, please, no, please, just put Homer or Dallas in. Just give us a breather. He wears them down, wears them down, wears them down, and then punishes them. Yeah. And that is what an elite running back does. That's what that's what Marshawn did with for us. Yeah. Like I know, I know now he's gone, everyone just remembers his great plays, mm-hmm. but people don't remember. For three quarters, he'd be nowhere to be seen, and then he'd he would explode in the fourth quarter. First half, multiple multiple games with him. Very rarely did Marshawn go off all game. Mm. He'd be quiet for first half, second half would come, then he'd burst on the scene because he's an elite running back. Yeah. Ken Walker, in his what was that? His fourth start, his fourth yeah. uh, official start, yeah. like. He's showing that ability now. Like I, when when I first started watching it, I was like, Oof, "This might be a really, really tough day for him because mm. he's just not getting any luck. The all lines not doing what it needs to be doing. This, that, and the other." But then he just he just doesn't give up. He just doesn't. It's a repeat. It's just a repeat of last week. Yeah. It's a repeat of like he he needs to get a passing touchdown. To not make me look stupid. I but, thought he was really good in the passing game this week. Yeah, he started getting them screens, started getting yeah. them things. And I tell you, James, tell me. Like Pete, Pete Carroll mentioned it. He said we've not even unlocked unlock the kid yet. Oh, that just sent shivers down his spine. Because that screen he got, you you get him with the right blockers in front of him, gone He's anywhere on the off. field, anywhere on the field, he is. Out of there. He's you get him a seam down the sideline. He is fucking out of there because the kid is just phenomenal. I have him in my fantasy, right? I have him in my fantasy. Going into the fourth quarter, if I remember rightly, he had something like 14 points. Mm-hmm. He ended up with just under 28 points. Some people might not do fantasy, but that is freaking impressive. Mm-hmm. Like, that's Devontae Adams' standard 20 points in the first four minutes of a game because he just lit it up. Like, it's just... Do you know what? It, 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 it shows me... 
it shows me, do you know what, it's telling to me that in those situations where at, at the end of the game where we're driving to try and put, you know, the game on ice, they could go to DK, they could go to Lockett, they could say, you know, we could go to far more proven, established players on this offence to go and try and ice this game and lean on. No, who do they go to? Ken Walker. He's the one that we're going to lean on and trust to go and end games and finish drives already in what you're saying. And, and, and it's right because people think he's been starting RB1 all year. This is only his fourth game out being RB1 because of Penny's injury. And I'll, and I'll throw you this question now because I've mentioned his name. Um, do, you, do you think we'd be seeing the same level of production out of Ken Walker if Penny had been healthy up to this point? I know it's a hypothetical question, but what I'm saying is, do you think Ken Walker would have outmuscled Rashad Penny to, to the RB1 spot by this point, do you think? It's a hard one to judge, obviously, but we all know how the way Penny, Penny started, was. statistics didn't show it, but the way he was starting with the burst and stuff, it's very hard to tell. Mm. I'd say yes. Okay. Because what Ken's shown is he doesn't need all the snaps mm-hmm. to just break one. Mm-hmm. Penny as we spoke about, needs to start churning. Yeah. But one thing I would say, if Penny could have got over his injury bug, we would have, we would have the most dominant one-two oh. running back punch you've seen since the Alvin Kamara, yeah. um, Ingram days, when yeah. they were just killing people mm-hmm. in, in the Saints, like mm-hmm. both of them. Like, you would have that it would have eclipsed what them two would have done together. Oh. Like, but do you, do you know what the thing is? It's horrible to say to Penny because I really like Penny. Like, yeah, regular listeners got into various arguments with Josh over Penny. Um, but the way this kid is, mate, sorry, Richard, you would have lost your job. It doesn't matter. Pete might have been a bit more conservative in his first year. Mm-hmm. But I think, regardless, Penny would have lost his job. You cannot keep that kid on the bench. You, honestly, the, the lad is sensational. He is mm-hmm. phenomenal. He's a phenomenal running back. Like, what is he? In four games, I think he's. I think he's like two behind the leading touchdown scorer in rushes. Like he he is just a dominant force, and I don't think anyone's going to stop him. Except so, this next game, even though if the books haven't been playing well, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, they're fucking trash." This that, and the other, their run defense, in my opinion, is still one of the best run defenses in the league. Yeah, let's see what Ken can do against that. Because if Ken, I'm telling honestly, if you think. I gush over him now. If he puts a scene on, if he goes 100 and odd yards, couple of touchdowns like he has done in the Giants in this last game, if he does that against that Bucks D, next week I'm just going to be, I think I'll be speechless. I won't know what to say anymore Mm. because that for me, with the games we still got, this is the test for him. Mm. I don't think there's another D the Niners. Niners, yeah. But, so the Bucks and then the Niners. But I, honestly, I'm telling you now, James, I am telling you now, if he goes off against these Bucks, by the time we play the Niners, they better be fucking awake 
because he will run through them like a freight train. Mm. His confidence by the time he gets to them the second game is going to be so high, I don't think anyone's going to stop him. You're hearing right. it around the league. You, you're hearing, like, listen to fantasy podcasts and other, like, NFL podcasts and stuff. GMs and assistant GMs coming out going, like, how, how, why did we even pass on him? Well, I've got like, his stats up here, Pez, mate. And, and look, it, from from the first time we played Arizona in, uh, what was what was that, week six? Um, he, that was his first game with double-digit attempts. And I think Penny got injured at around about the Detroit Saints game, something like that. But even in the Saints game, he only had eight attempts, which was the same as the Detroit game. And then he jumps to 21 attempts to Arizona and he's took off from there. So that's only one, two, three, four games, like you said. So in four games from being the fully fledged RB1 across the NFL he's got he's 13th in rushing attempts with 111 he's 15th in yards with 570 yards 570 yards rushing in in four games really <laughs> being a starter he's tied fourth in the NFL with seven touchdowns and he's got 5.1 yard per carry average which is 15th in the NFL at this point um Seven Did touchdowns in four games with he, 570 yards. He's actually ranked third. Is he? Yeah. Because on mine, I've, I've got I had it up here with two more touchdowns. He's now ranked third in the NFL with seven. Oh, well, there you go. So I, think he, I think there's a string of him on seven, and then the top guy's on nine. Right. And, but is that, do you, know, do you know, I read an article, obviously I play fantasy, I've mentioned it a couple of times, but... On, on this article, it said about how Ken Walker is a myth and he won't be able to sustain what he's doing. He said, look, at if we break his numbers down, his yard, uh, average yards per play aren't good enough. This isn't good enough. That's not good enough, meaning that the regression is going to start coming soon. I tweeted them and I said, whoever does your articles, yeah, you might want to tell them to find a new job. Because yeah. that was the stupidest thing they've come out with. Because if you don't already know, listen to the We Talk Seals podcast and you will know just how good this kid is. Got a little plug there. Um, He's, he is offensive rookie of the year. He has to be. I don't, I don't care. There is no one else who touches him. Name me a player. The only people now Brees Hall's gone is people talk about Chris Olave. Chris Olave's... I've not heard Chris Olave's name in fucking weeks. Garrett Wilson maybe is the only one that I'm, is coming to if mind. Garrett Wilson, if Garrett Wilson plays like he did against the Bills for the rest of the season, yeah, but he's still not going to be able to catch Ken now. No. Ken, I, I'm, I'm, whilst we're on him, I'm, t- I'm calling it now, James. I, I, I don't can, think... Before you say it, I love that phrase. You, you say this phrase at least two or three times every podcast. And if we don't get it on the T-shirt, there's something wrong with us. I am calling it now, Pez. I, you, that is what you... That's your new nickname, mate. Forget <laughs> positive, Pez. It's I'm calling it now, Pez. But carry on, because I do love him. I am calling it now whilst we're on him. He's going... Look, I, I said it at the start of the year. I said it on this podcast at the start of the year. Might have been in the Hot Takes episode. He's going over a 1,000 yards. I don't. I think it's inevitable. Now, double-digit touchdowns. I said double-digit touchdowns. He's going to have won out the RB1 job. Double-digit touchdowns over 1,000 yards. Said it in my hot takes. It's going to happen. Fuck knows how old, but I found, like, he's done 504 games. 
How many more games we've got? Eight. Eight. So, double that's, it. That's fifteen hundred. That's fifteen hundred yards. Like in twelve games, God knows how many touchdowns he could get by that point. But even if his stats slow down, I still think he's going to make that much of a scene on the NFL that he'll be in the Pro Bowl by the end of this year. Oh, has to be. Has to be. Um, Could you imagine if he goes on this four-game sample size and triples it and doesn't slow down and carries on that trajectory? He is all pro. Oh, first team, all pro, book it now. We'll say it now. He's got to be. I, do, I don't think I'm being, like, with the way no. he's playing at the moment, I don't think I'm being overly ambitious. I no. think it's... I think it could be a foregone conclusion. Yeah. Like you said, he's done that in four games, everyone. Four games, 570 yards, seven touchdowns in four games. We've got eight more to play. It <laughs> doesn't matter what you do. He just keeps on coming. Yeah. He's just like an itch what won't leave you alone. I listened to a fantasy podcast. He was saying that he's just, he is like, he's just like and uh, the bug. He's just like that. Little kid grabbing you and pulling you all the time. Get off me, get off me, because he just wears you down. Do you know, you know what it is like? Do you know what? I fuck, I've got my own. He is like, uh, oh, what are them big lizard things? Komodo dragon. Yeah, because what do they do? They bite you and then they stalk you whilst the poison gets through your body. Do you not know this? Komodo dragons, how they kill things. I'm not... I- I don't tune into National Geographic regularly, to be honest. Listen, right, listen, this this sums him up perfectly. They bite the prey, and then they stalk it, and then when the poison takes control, then they eat it. That's what Ken does. He might not be all game, but he just goes and goes and goes, and the fourth quarter, boom. That is the most random reference. Have you been to the zoo this week or so? Is that why you know that fact? That's, no. that's like a fact that they put on the side of the enclosure about the Komodo death that you've read this week. No, because one, one of my mates at work, he hates Komodo dragons because of that fact. He said they're the most horrible, freakiest things you could ever think. They like stalk, they bite their prey and then stalk it for miles before killing it. Like, you know it's coming. And you can't stop it. Ken Walker. The Komodo dragon. Put, that's, put that that's on really, a t-shirt. That's really tickled me, that. Oh, that's brilliant, that. The Komodo dragon. Um, do you know what he is, though? He's so smart. Like, that run, before he punched it in for the touchdown at the end of the game, he, he stayed in bounds. He could have gone out of bounds. He knew if he, if I stay in bounds, either the clock's going to keep running or Arizona have to burn a timeout. And they burn a timeout. You can see he's just... I think he said this week, he, he doesn't feel like a rookie anymore. He feels like he's, like, he, he, even though he is a rookie and he, under, he understands that he's a rookie, he, he doesn't feel like he's a rookie anymore. And 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 you watch him and, and he does, he doesn't look like a rookie. He looks like he's been playing in the NFL for four or five years now. He's so savvy, so smart. He's so quick. He's so fucking tough as well, man. He just takes hits and carries people, but he's so small. He's just the full package and um, and like I said at the start of the you know the year when, when he first started to break out, if there's any running back that is going to come in and and eclipse and match the likes of Sean Alexander and Marshawn Lynch in terms of the 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 place in that they stand in in the Seahawks franchise and and in terms of the running backs that we've had at this team, 
Ken Walker is surely the next one already from, from just the sample size that we've seen. It, it, it's enough, man. This kid is going to the Hall of Fame. I am calling it now. I am calling it now. He's going to the Hall of Fame. You, do you know what? Hall of Fame, James, because you love sending everyone to the Hall of Fame. Only those worthy. Only Tariq and Ken so far are definitely going to the Hall of Fame. That's that's not that's only two out of this rookie class. That's not many pairs. Come on. Um, big game this week for him. Let's see what game. he can do. Big game for him this big week. Big game. Big test. But you know what? I've, I've only got it. tests. I'm like that, that strict dad who's like, no, I'm not showing you any love. Prove me wrong on this one. Go. Don't, you don't put the drawings up on the fridge. You know, you wait for... No, no. I wait for excellence. You wait for excellence. I like it. I like it. Um, Quick shout out to Damian Lewis as well. Before we leave the offence, he was named in the PFF Team of the Week uh, at the left guard spot, the best left guard in the NFL this week. Um, He was also the Seahawks' highest graded offensive player with an 88.8 grade for week nine. Maybe having a a bit of a quiet on the down low good season from from Damian Lewis. not hearing his name called too much for, and, and normally that's a good reason um, with, from an offensive line perspective. If you if you're not having your name called, you're probably doing something right. Uh, if you're not showing up on on the uh, on the TV, and uh, and I've seen some of of his highlights from from the from the replays and stuff. And I tell you what, it, he looks every bit of a, of a team of the week player this week. He was he was blocking those those Cardinals pass rushes with absolute perfection. Um, good to see him. Good to see him back to like the standard. Of his rookie year, yeah. Yeah, rookie year and things like that. And yeah. people just got to remember he's been moved position. And mm-hmm. I imagine on that line, if you're left or right, you, you move a certain way, your hand position's a certain way. Do you know, it's all second nature when you're, when you're like, say, a left guard all, all your high school and college mm-hmm. career. You probably, muscle memory is like just simple little things like, Right, so he's coming from the left, so my hand might like go like outwards to block, and yeah. then on the right side it might be more like up in their face, and things like that could really take its time, you know, to yeah. develop. So let's just hope this is a good sign that the the line's just getting more solidified. Um, yeah. Whilst we're on the whilst we're on the old line, I just I want to give so um, Austin Blythe some love. We gave him some love. The other week, um, when we were talking about him with his mic top, mm-hmm. but I really, I, I, I'm not a big old line guy. Don't really know like much about it, but I just think he's the unsung, like unsung hero. Yeah, in that offense, in that whole offense, what keeps that whole offense going? Yeah. Like I really do. I think he gets just underappreciated for his leadership, for his command, his control of the line. Because we saw it when Carl Fuller came in. It was leaky and horrible and the line didn't play that well. And Gino was getting pressured and getting his head taken off and things like that. But Blythe back in, Gino trusts him with his life. You can see it when he talks to him, when he mm-hmm. looks at him. That's what you want for your centre. He might not be the world beater. He might not be these big, well, he's not this guy, but he's our guy. And he's doing well enough for us. It's 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 the value of leadership because I don't think from from the eye test I don't think he's probably a miles better centre than Ethan Porsick was. But Ethan Porsick doesn't lead the offensive line the way Austin Blythe does. I know I know Austin Blythe is better than Porsick, but I'm, I don't mean that he's I don't think he's a, a massive massive upgrade uh, in terms of the actual quality that you get from him. But the leadership the leadership that you get from him 
in terms of a Kyle Fuller and a, and a Nathan Porsick, that the, the leadership that you get from Austin Blythe is way really is 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 why he's so valuable and why he's such an upgrade in my opinion. He's more of an upgrade in that sense than the actual level of play. He is an upgrade in the level of play, but he's yeah. a proper leader if you know what I mean. I definitely think he's a lot better ability wise. He's a lot better than Polsic. Like I do, I think he's underrated again. Like I said though, just by you saying that, in my opinion, he just shows how underrated people like. Like how people are viewing him. Hmm. Like, at the end of the day, you've got to look at it and think, he's the one who calls to Gino, spies, like, you I don't know all the terminology of it, so I'll just do it in dumb terms, like, maybe that corner who's mm-hmm. on the blitz. He's the one who diagnoses all them plays and calls yeah. to his line. Like, and if... The, the line's been solid for the majority of the year. And if he mm. wasn't that good, then they get through the centre. But they're not getting through the centre because he's not as bad as people are saying. Like, the things I heard when we signed him was, yeah, he's just bang average, he's undersized, he's under this, he's this, that and the other. But do you know what happens when a guy's got the intelligence and the knowledge and the leadership of his line, that makes up twice as much for a guy who's just got pure ability. Because a guy who's just got pure ability can block his man sound. But when he can't dictate to his line, that corner who's blitzing off the edge and his right guard is half asleep and then lets Gino's head get ripped off his shoulders. Yeah. Ability means jack shit. Yeah. And that's what I mean in the sense of Austin, but I'm seeing him making the calls, making the checks, communicating with, with Gino a lot more than you'd see with a Carl Fuller and an Ethan Portick. He's a workman. Yeah. How I how I look at him and why I like him a lot is he's a, he's a he's a working class. Mm-hmm. He's a working class center. He loves it, doesn't he? Loves it. Loves yeah. the game. Loves everything about it. Knows himself that he's not that good. Probably knows himself that he's not the best centers. But he's not one of the top ten centers in the league. Yeah. But that just makes him so good because he don't get bitter about it. He don't think about it. He works on his strengths and he lets them. Develop through the game. Yeah, I just wanted to give. I just wanted to show him some love. No. I don't think he gets talked about enough for his leadership and the role he plays in this offense, and why I believe that our run game and our passing game has been so fluent because he is the leader on that line. And if his Absolutely. leadership is shit and he can't diagnose anything, the whole line falls to pieces. He is the centrepiece. People go and watch the Giants game when Cal Fuller came in. Go and then see when Austin Blythe's in. Tight, leaky. Tight, leaky. I don't, I don't want to put words like in, in, in... Yeah, I do, but I, I don't want to put words in Austin Blythe's mouth, Pez. But I think you're on the Christmas card list this year with Austin Blythe. I think he's... I think if he listens to this podcast, I think, do you know what? I, that guy is getting a nice Christmas card this year. Um, so well, Numerous, uh, well, we're going to see because he's got Vida Vea to uh, play about with. Yes, the, the tone could change, but we'll see. Um, before we get to the defence, uh, Josh, th- thanks to the wonders of technology, I'm going to edit in Josh giving a shout out to our longest standard standing sponsor, Blessed CBD. And when we come back, we're going to get onto this unbelievable Seahawks defence. <clears throat> Blessed CBD have just come through with a, a, a big 
uh, order for myself. Uh, I got some CBD uh, gummies and CBD tincture for me. Um, I simply went on CBD, blessedcbd.co.uk, um, and selected what I wanted. They had a nice little offer going for mine. Um, and I just used the code Seahawk at the end and I got 10% off. It was lovely. It also means that I've now got my CBD fix for the month and my wife has her CBD fix for the month, which hopefully, well, I say hopefully, I know it helps with anxiety. It helps with her sleeping. It's going to help me with my recovery from my spinal cord injury, which is a constant thing. Um, please go ahead. Everyone that is ordered repeated just repeated their orders as well thank you so much for helping the pod out as you you may see or may hear pez is a bit clearer we are we're trying to get that that mic refined and it will work at some point um but yeah it's a massive help to us and if you really have any questions feel free to message us on our insta feel free go on the faq section of blessed cbd it's on blessedcbd.co.uk code seahawk 10 percent off your order and they're currently running some fantastic offers if you become a member as well thank you to everyone who's already used and, and taken advantage of our sponsorship with blessed cbd thank you for your continued support it means a lot to us on the podcast james can i just quickly interject yes um people probably listen to the start of this podcast and feel a bit shocked they didn't get any stats Oh, I do apologise. So, because uh, I'm now Statel, I'll just, uh, on the offence, I'll just quickly rattle some off, you know, surprise them in the middle. The Seahawks have won four, four games in a row by 10 points. The last time they did this was in 2014, when they did it for six straight games. The only other times were 97 and 86. Very rare stuff. Now, everyone likes to get overhyped about stuff. All I'm saying was if anyone remembers the 2014 season, pretty sure we made the Super Bowl and I'm pretty sure it was in Arizona. Coincidence? Hey, spooky season's gone. It's not, it, it's all these spooky seasons. Spooky season. Um, um, hey, I like oh, it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, we got he's more. Not finished. We've got more. Well, I'll put myself on mute. I do apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just rattle them off now because they're a bit of just a team overall. Seattle held Arizona to a season low of 262 yards of offense. Their 4.3 yards per play has been a season low. And I'm pretty sure we beat the season low in the first game as well. So we just dominated them. The Cardinals were averaging 34 points per game when DeAndre Hopkins returned. Seattle held them to 14 points on offense. Leads nicely into the defense. Leads very nicely into the Love defense. This, this, just even more. It's just great. It's brilliant. The, the Seahawks lead the NFL in forced fumbles with 13. The next closest team is 10. The Seahawks have five more had five more sacks today and have, have had at least five in three of their last four games. Seattle now ranks fourth in the NFL for the season and first over the last four weeks. You're, you're too and far gone in your Statalitis, Pez. Is there another one coming? No, I'll, I'll rein it in. There's a few player ones. I'll, I'll get them. <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to give the listeners the stat fun. Oh, I know they I'm appreciate o- I'm obsessed with stats because they're just so fun. 
there's a soulful every single game there's just a new stat and i'm like i need to share the wealth of stats and you know what every single game there's a new sack for ujena nawosu um two sacks against the cardinals here's some i'm gonna it's contagious this satellite i'm sorry but i'm gonna have to read out some stats now um in his four in his first four years with the la charges he only had a season high sack record of five that was his most he'd ever done this year in his first year it was three and a half in his second year he had two sacks third year four and a half and in his last year fourth year which was last season he had five sacks this year through nine games he has seven sacks, which is tied seventh in the NFL. He has two forced fumbles, which is tied fifth in the NFL. Uchenna Nawosu is having a career year in Seattle this year. And my goodness me, two sacks again. And they're not just garbage time, clean up sacks, anything like these. Are, he is properly beating offensive linemen every single week, manhandling them every single week with his power and his speed. And do you know what's even, it, it, in a weird way, it makes it worse and makes it more frustrating, Pez, because I actually think Uchenna Nawosu could comfortably be in double-digit sacks wide out if he could finish off his, his, his sacks and his tackles. How many missed sacks has Uchenna Nawosu had this year because he struggles to finish them off? You saw it in the Cardinals game. That it, that's the only part of his play that when, when he gets to the quarterback at times, he has trouble at times wrapping the quarterback up. If he did... Uchenna Nawosu could have double the sacks this year. He could have he could have 12 to 14 sacks already this year. I mean, the guy is just a revelation. I said it last week, has to be the best defensive-wise, anyway, free agent signing that the Seahawks have made in quite a long time. And um, he's, he, again, he's just getting better every single week and no signs of slowing down. I mean, any, any, any further things to add on, on Uchenna that we don't already say every week? No, but he's he, looking at because here I've got it was actually Tuesday morning, so all the games must must have been played. But let's say he's joint sixth here. Oh, well, there you are then. Um, but he's in some company there Von Miller, Miles Garrett. He's only one behind Michael Parsons, one and a half behind Nick Bosa. Like, um, what's his name? Judon for the Patriots. He, he's just eleven point five. He's a, like an absolute monster. But yeah. two more sacks next game, and you're talking second in the league. Like mm-hmm. it's phenomenal. And like you said, like you said, the amount he's let slip through single. I think Daniel Jones, Kyler, yeah, like so many. Mm-hmm. I've, but I think you perfectly said it. I don't think I've got any more words, or, or I'll just be rehashing what you said. Or just waffling on about him. He's just the star on that line. He mm. he he lights the whole line up, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, he does. He 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 feels like I don't, I don't know whether he's the the leader leader of the defensive line. I feel like they're all pretty much leaders on that defensive line. When you've got guys like Shelby Harris and and uh, and Uchenna Nwosu and and Bruce Irvin now as well coming back and and all these guys, but. He's just—he's so electric. He's so infectious. If you watch any of his mic'd up, he's—he's he's such. You can tell the the. He is know, a leader. He is a he's leader. He's a leader. He's he is a leader. leader. Um, yeah, definitely. They all look up to him. They all respect him heavily. He's definitely a leader on that team. Might not have a C on his chest, but he's definitely one of the leaders. And let's read out the rest of the sack numbers from the Cardinals. So obviously, Nuwasu with two. I'm looking forward to this. 
Yeah, well, we've got Bruce Irvin with one. And uh, we've also got Shelby Harris coming in with one sack. So we had five sacks against the Cardinals, according to my stats. Yeah, yeah. Who got the who got the other one? Because you said Nawalsu, Irvin, and Harris. Who's the other one? Nawalsu. Nawalsu were two. Harris, Irvin. Ooh. It's not coming up. <laughs> I don't think it would either. Sure, mate. Who was it? Your pal from last week. You're going to have Come to clarify. On. Come on. You're going to have to clarify. Well, then you got a bit heated and then you got heated. Oh, no, in the chat no, after. no. It wasn't. No. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, it wasn't. yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Well, you're going to have to provide well, evidence oh. for that because I did not see an LG Collier sack. No, I won't. No, I don't want stat evidence. I want right, video well, evidence. I want video minute. evidence of an LG Collier sack. I will screenshot LJ Collier, two tackles, both solo. Don't need no help, the man. He got a sack and another QB hit. What were we saying? I'm not having that. I'm not having that. In small rotation, if he is that effective every single game, it makes a difference. When when did he get this sack? Oh, no. Oh, no. LJ must listen to the pod as well. You're going to be eating. When did he get the sack? Hi, my friend. The stats don't lie, my friend. Oh, well, they are lying. You said five. You said five. I did say You said five. five. And you called a four. Because on my stats, LJ Collier... I'll give you that part of it. Right. right. You're half right. right then. No, you're half right, right then. But right, someone right, else must have right. got it because LJ Collier did not right. get a sack. Right, right. I want video yes, evidence. I want video evidence. I can feel the pressure coming from your brain. It's not pressure in my brain because I'm comfortable in the knowledge that LJ Collier did not get a sack. So here on ESPN, it says they only record LJ Collier with one tackle and one tackle for loss, but nothing else. We're going to have to do some in-pod investigating here, right? Well, the listeners, they're probably anticipation is probably killing them. But it probably is, yeah. Because any listeners, any listeners listening to this right now, if you find the evidence, if you find the evidence Which to want. prove LJ Collier <laughs> he did, oh. he didn't get a sack. You just you need to die on this. You need to, you need to die on this Ilpez because he didn't get a sack. I will concede to you that, yes, I've only read out that there was four sacks. I will concede that. So there's some error somewhere. But LJ Collier <laughs> is not the man with the fifth sack. So <laughs> you can bounce up and down in your chair all you want. You uh, can't get a sack. Come on, LJ. Don't let me down. Tackle for loss, QB hit, still prominent defensive moves. So as we were saying before, you got blown out of proportion. In the context of his very small snap count, having a tackle for loss, a QB hit, or a sack, one of them in that category, what kills a play and gets us off the field, I will take that every single week because he's probably only getting five snaps. Surely. Would you agree? No. I just... No. I just can't. I'm just... I'm sorry... I'm so sorry, but I can just not get on board with until LJ Collier starts producing 
sacks, you know, where you hit the you tackle the quarterback, not just uh, which he didn't get. I'm not going to get excited or give praise to a first round pick who's getting one quarterback hit and is staying on the field for two players again. Like, I'm not I'm not oh. doing it. <laughs> he had 19, 19 snaps, QB hit, tackle for loss. Are you going to apologise then? Just what he does. Doesn't matter. Sacks, tackle for loss. It isn't what he does. It's just what he does. It's not what yeah. he does. You're going to be eating your hat by the end of this season. Oh, I can't believe you're trying to get on board with that. That you really think I'm going to be eating my words over LJ Collier. Seriously, mate. Have you not have you not learned anything from his first four years here? The, the, Total the, new scheme, bro. Total new scheme. That he's not part of because he's injured and he's, he's doing nothing. Not anymore. Not anymore. And in two game weeks, he's had critical game-changing defences. Not just tackles, but critical tackles for loss. Passes defence on fourth down to ice the game. QB hits, tackles for loss. He's coming, James. That's all I'm saying. He's not coming. It doesn't it's matter not, if he does. It doesn't matter if he does nothing. Pony, you're getting it every single week. He does one little thing. Oh, brilliant! Well, that 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 I'll be the bigger man then, and I won't respond to it because I know what you're <laughs> trying to do with LJ Collier. So. I'll get Josh involved. I'll get he Josh can. involved. He was involved last week. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. You can keep you can keep pedalling his bicycle all you want. I'm not getting on board with it, mate. Um, who I can get on board with. Is Jordan Brooks. I know you want to give him some love. Yes. Yes. As you always. My, as you always my guy, the OG. 90 tackles. 90 tackles already. I wanted to bring him up because I thought if, if not, not, none of the listeners been a bit disjointed this part because of the LJ Collier <laughs> banter, but it's been a bit just disjointed. But if, if any of the listeners or viewers haven't watched the Jordan Brooks mic'd up on YouTube, I highly recommend going and watching it. Because if you are scratching your head a little bit and thinking, has he been doing good? Has he been doing bad? Just go and watch that. It gives you a lot of context. When the coaches are talking to him, it gives him a lot of context. Gives a lot of context into probably his mental state at the start of the year. To me personally, in my opinion, it came across like he was trying to do too much. Like, don't get me wrong, he's a signal caller. He's essentially the controller of the defence. But it's almost like he was trained too hard at the start of the year instead of, like, letting it come to him. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's his first time doing it, like, first time in the NFL in that role. And it'll all start slowing down. I'm guessing the game's going 100 miles per hour for him again. Mm. And it, it looks like it's starting to slow down. The Giants game, he looked like he called a great game. This game, he stood out like a sore thumb because he was freaking everywhere. Yeah, He was everywhere. Hence why he led the team with 12 tackles. And I think the nearest person to him was six. He yeah. was just a dominant force. His numbers this year so far are 90 combined. So he's already half of what he did for the whole of last year in nine games. And 64 solo tackles. What is quick maths, 45 from last year's whole season. He's going to eclipse them all. And yeah. the, as the weeks go on with this guy, 
as the weeks go on and he gets more and more embedded in that role of controlling this defense. Because I thought he controlled the defense brilliantly in this game. Mm-hmm. He can't he he can't make players tackle. That was a massive issue in the first half. Yeah. But I think coverage wise and things like that, I feel like he he just he he controlled and called a great game on the defense and his personal play was amazing. So the more he gets used to it, slows it down, stops doing too much. He's all pro this year, in my opinion. Keeps on going this trajectory he's going. He's all pro this he got one vote last year just by being the fucking like the top tackler in the league, one of the top tacklers in the league. Did he finish second? Something well, like that, yeah. He's he's now in the lead at the moment. I don't think anyone will catch him. I don't think anyone will slow him down though. All, all I'll say is there's a direct correlation, and we mentioned it at, at the start of the year. He was overcompensating for Cody Barton being the three-down starter next to him. You just just watch second half of the season how well John Brooks is now going to start playing. Even he's going to be even better than he's already been because Bruce Irving is now next to him. Cody Barton's been rotated into sub packages. He doesn't know he, he's comfortable next to Bruce Irving. He's got a savvy vet next to him now who knows what he's doing and is a very good player in his own right, Bruce Irving. Just, just he, he does. He knows, because right, that's what we were saying. It's like he has to watch out where Cody is. He has to, he has to do two jobs at once. Do Cody's job for him at certain times in the coverage. He's got no problems with Bruce Irvin now next to him. He can just who, call the call the players and 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 play his game. Who was with Bobby when he was a rookie in his first couple of years? There you go. Yeah. But people, people need to remember. Like they, they want to compare the two. People need to remember when Bobby was first in the league. I've said it in the past. He had Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, mm-hmm. Richard Sherman, mm-hmm. uh, Cliff Averill, Bruce Irving, Mike Bennett. Like Jordan Brooks now is starting to like you're starting to see him shine because he's got Bruce Irving, who's going to take a lot like a lot of weight off his shoulders. He's just going to give him that veteran presence to like calm him down. Mm-hmm. Show him the thingy so he's not relying on Cody Barton, mm-hmm. who's even more raw than what he is. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Nichenna Norsu, who's like your Michael Bennett and things like that. You, you, you know what I mean? So I yeah. feel like he's only just going to get better and better and better. And to me, he carries on this trajectory. He's all pro. He is, in my opinion. He is. And, and we're talking about players getting better and better and better. I'll transition into this young man now, um, Ryan Neal. Past four games for the Seattle Seahawks, 20 tackles, which include three tackles for loss, two forced fumbles, one interception, four pass, four pass breakups, one sack, no touchdowns allowed, 51.8 passer rating against in coverage, and an 88.6 PFF grade, which is first among safeties in the NFL across the last four games. First. Um, I did not know that. I love that stat. There that you go. Excited. It's contagious. Um, my goodness me, uh, he, he is. I, I just wrote it in my notes. He's single-handedly putting Jamal Adams out of a job in Seattle for me, and and, and it's as simple as that. You watch Ryan Neal; he does everything that Jamal Adams does, and we don't need to pay Jamal Adams that amount of money. And quite frankly, I wouldn't want to pay Jamal Adams that amount of money if it meant that someone like Ryan Neal is sitting on the bench in the NFL for the Seattle Seahawks because he doesn't deserve to be. He's had his shot; he's taken it with both hands, and you're seeing now a genuine. I mean, I've just read out his stats. That that is that is a top top elite level safety numbers that he's putting up. That is, and he's just come out of the bench out of nowhere, 
Take more for, from Jamal Adams. Push Josh Jones aside. He's he's been relegated to a, a, a you know a, a sub package special teams role now. Josh Jones, and 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 we said it on this podcast. Just extend Ryan Neal. Get him get him locked up because he will. If if we don't, there is a team that will. And um, my goodness me, he is with with what we've said in in recent podcasts with the level of play at this moment in time from Quandre Diggs. Thank the Lord that Ryan Neal is playing so well at the safety position because um, he's picking up the slack with, for, for Quandre Diggs, in my opinion, at this point as well. Talking about John Brooks picking up the slack for Cody Barton. I think Ryan Neal's picking up the slack for, for Quandre Diggs at this point. No, yeah, I, I completely agree. He is the DJ Dallas of the defence. Like he it. just gets better. Yeah. Like, every, every he just he just exploded like the story everything about him and you know for a fact Pete in his raw raw speech is literally going to use him and say mm-hmm. look at Ryan mm-hmm. literally nearly quit I was saying this the other week nearly quit nearly gave up Seahawks brought him in practice squad got a few plays everyone was like oh who's this kid who's yep. this kid he looks impressive it was COVID. No, no fans in the stadium. Iced the game against the Cowboys with the inception. Yeah. And now this season, he's just getting better and better and better. And he's a fug. He's a loud mouth fug on the defense, and that's what we've been missing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've been missing it. We, oh mate, he is a breath of fresh air. And yeah. do you know what? Since his ascendance, Jordan Brooks has got better. Absolutely, because. They've all got a bit of spite about him. Mm-hmm. Like, Quandre used to have that spite, but he doesn't have that spite anymore. He doesn't have that in your face. Something about Quandre, actually, again, if you listen to the Jordan Brooks mic'd up, uh, Jordan's on the sideline talking to Quandre. And how I said about confidence, he said, I'm, I'm still getting used to putting weight on my leg. Then mm. he? he said something along them lines. Yeah. So he's still just getting used to being free. So it, for me, in that because it happened so late into last season, for me, I think he came back not fully healthy. Mm. Healthy enough to not be on the injury report, but not fully healthy just because he knew, as well as the rest of the team knew, he was a captain. He had to be out there, essentially. He had yeah. to be on the field. So we've seen that kind of confirms my opinions on his situation, hopefully as the season goes on, he'll be able to build in confidence maybe, build out in confidence um, and then that, that'd be a scary tandem, that too. You get Quandre back to being Quandre, yeah. smashing people, hitting people, running hard and vicious mm-hmm. with the with Ryan Neal next to him, the fog, and you've got Kobe who just loves it. You've got Tariq who's now getting stuck in. Like, I'm not going to speak too much about him, James, don't want to. Back me off. He's my guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's not much more to say about him. So actually, James, I am going to transition into Tariq because he's your guy. So I'm going to transition us into it so I can mute myself and let you gush. Tariq Woolen, Tariq Woolen, Tariq Woolen. Tariq Woolen, Tariq Woolen. Oh, Pez is on it as well. Lovely. What a lovely evening we're having. Um, Tariq Woolen, I mean, this is well, this is his stats against the Cardinals. And for a bit of context, before this game, and since DeAndre Hopkins had come back, DeAndre Hopkins 
had 22 catches for 262 yards and a touchdown in the last two games. He went up against Tariq Woolen against the uh, against the Seattle Seahawks last week, didn't he? And a lot of people were saying, well, has Tariq Woolen covered a, a, a bona fide elite wide receiver yet? We'll see. We'll see how he gets on against DeAndre Hopkins. Well, we saw. We saw, didn't we? 34, 36 yards he held into for four catches. And I know Hopkins had a touchdown, but that wasn't on Tariq. That was on Boye Mafé. Um, so against Tariq, he's held him to four catches for 36 yards. And I'll give you some more stats on Tariq because it's contagious stat like this. 46 coverage snaps, three targets, two receptions allowed, and one pass defend against the Cardinals game. And then to put a bit more perspective on it, um, rookie cornerback Tariq Woolen has allowed the fourth lowest passer rating in coverage this season in cornerbacks. Fourth lowest. Um, the guy is unbelievable. And you saw it, as Pez said, he's happy. I mean, I can't remember who it was against. I think it was James Conner where he absolutely flew into him and sent him flat. And James Conner's a tough running back to, to hit. He's not a he's not a little little not a mincy slouch, little. He? No, he's not a little scrawny little running back, elusive back. James Conner has got tree trunks for legs. He's a tough running back. And Tariq Warren has got no problem coming, flying down into the box and hitting these guys. He's doing everything. He's locking up DeAndre Hopkins. That pass defence on DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, my. I, I, I just keep saying it. He's just he's playing like he's been played. Like we're saying about Ken Walker. Same with Tariq. He's been playing like he's. it looks like he's been playing in the NFL for five, six years and been a top cornerback for all those years. And even what I loved about it is if you watch him after the pass defence, He's, he's devastated with himself because he's like, oh, I should have picked it off. I could have just picked it off. Why didn't I pick it off? And it's that attitude. He wasn't just past defence. And then you also, you see a lot of these cornerbacks hopping up and down with the whole incomplete gesture yeah. and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Tariq's like, oh, no, I, I, I could have intercepted that. And he's just, I think he's got a great attitude that, again, you see the, the mic'd up, you see the all access. Everyone loves him. He seems like such a good character, such a positive Again, just splash your life into that defence that we've so desperately needed over the past few... We talked about it on this podcast in the past few years about wanting to get guys like the LOB again, calling for guys in, 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 in drafts over the last few years to go and get guys that'll add some nastiness to the defence again. We, we were too nice on defence. And they've gone out and they've got Kobe Bryant, they've got Tariq Woolen, you've got Ryan Neal in there, all guys who are just throwbacks to those days. And, and my goodness me... Um, Tariq Woolen, like you say, you, you 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 are you are funding the the boxer shorts fund in this house because <laughs> I tell you what, it, it's rising. I, told, I said at the start of the podcast, Santa Claus, you have got a job on your hands this year because I need as many boxers as you can spare, my friend. And oh, uh, no. I might have to put a TV ad campaign up there at this point. You know, like Salvation Army and all that. Do it Christmas. <laughs> Go fund me. A Go fund. Start a Go fund. I'm gonna have to do some sort of appeal. Because I'm telling you, if you went into my wardrobe, I'm washing pants, I'm, I'm turning pants inside out to wear for the rest of the week because I, can, I can't just have one wear out of them. I'm running I'm running low and it's because of Tariq Woolen. Um, oh, and, and I'm going to transition on to your guy, Kobe Bryant, because I'm absolutely gutted for him. Um, he played an outstanding game and I love Kobe Bryant because he's just getting better every single week. You can just tell... And I watched the the sound of the Seahawks today, the latest episode, and I think it was Uchenna Nawas who had Bruce Irvin talking about how 
Corby Bryant stays at least three hours after every practice, just watching film and and doing trying to get better every single day. And it, and it's unique for a rookie to do that. And you can and it translates to what we see on the field every Sunday. He's getting better every single Sunday. And then we all thought just for one second that Corby Bryant had finally finally got his first pick. And then you see the dreaded flag thing come up on the scoreline. No. And, and to be fair, I'm not going to bash Quandre because I've seen the replay and I don't think it was a flag on Quandre. I don't. I think it was a bit of a bit of a shit call, but it happens. And you know what? Again, we said it before. He doesn't let things like that affect his game. He didn't get disheartened. He went on and had a fantastic rest of the game. And and you said it before. His interception is coming. In my mind, he's had it. That was his. That was his first interception. I'm I'm counting that. I don't care. Um, but yeah, man. I mean. <laughs> I'm running out of words for these two corners. I'm going to let you talk so, about your boy, Corby. We didn't even mention so, the Ryan Neal forced fumble, by the way, that Ryan Neal caused. I forgot to mention that. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he caused that. And... So much goes on. Oh. So much goes on in these games. But I'm going to be harsher on Corby because I, I, hold, I hold him to a high standard. I know. A high standard that I want, I, I know he can get to. And he let Randall Moore do him. Quite a few times in this game, there was one where Rondell Moore sold him and made him just stutter in his in his coverage, and it gave Rondell Moore mm. all the chance. But then on the flip side, he he also did good things against Rondell Moore as well. Like he he contained him. It's just a few things I noticed. He got beat. It, it looked like he got burned a couple of times, mm. and I just I just think to myself. You can't be letting do, you can't be letting a player like Rondell Moore do you on coverage like that when you're gonna have De, uh, Devontae Adams coming up. I think you that, can't do it. Yeah, you can't. That's what we've can't. said. The only the only thing I think that that is is the drawback on Corby at this point is the speed. But but I mean, you, you find ways to negate that and put him in better positions, and I think they will going forward. But but this is the thing. This is the thing. People need to remember. Sherm wasn't renowned for his speed. No, he's just no. savvy. Yeah, he was just savvy. Yeah. He was a savvy reader of the game, and that's where Kobe, in my opinion, that's where Kobe's going. Mm-hmm. Kobe will develop into that player. It's just going to take him a few. He's a rookie. It's going to take mm-hmm. a few rookie mistakes for him to iron it out. But if Sherm's still knocking around the building, working with him and Tariq, he'll get them ironed out by the end of the year. But he's solid, man. The peanut punching. Right. Do you know what, the, as well? The pick's coming. The pick's coming. pick the, is coming. And whilst you're on that... Third think, time lucky. Third time lucky. And what we haven't mentioned, and what I think need, I need to bring up again, a few people, and, and we've mentioned it on this podcast at the start of the year, that we were maybe a little bit worried about it. Penalties. Can you tell me the last penalty that Tariq Wollin or Corby Bryant got in terms of a pass interference or a holding call? They are, was it week one? It was. I, I think it was week one. They haven't got one. I, I I can't remember them getting one since week one, and we all and we said and I, and I said on this pop that I, I wouldn't read too much into the penalties. These are rookies. Let them get it. Let it get them out of their system. Let them let them figure it out. Tariq Wollen hasn't had a holding call, pass interference call since the early weeks of the season. Same with Colby Bryant. You saw it in the, in the Denver game against like Sutton and Judy that they were getting a few PI calls and holding calls. You're not seeing it anymore. They're iron it, and, and to what I'm saying, these these rookies are different. They're, they're getting better every week. You can see from Tariq to Corby, 
to to boy and map it, all of them, they're getting better every single week because they're going away, they're working on their game. You can just tell that they're that they're putting in the hours after practice. And and you and you've seen it on film, the penalty yardage has stopped and, and is and it's going down, the amount of penalties are going down. So I'm saying Tariq Wool, I can't remember the last Tariq Woolen penalty, I can't remember the the last Colby Bryant penalty. Same with the offensive line, going back to the I can't remember the last Charles Cross penalty, I can't remember the last Dave Lucas penalty. All these penalties that we were worried about at the start of the season that they were getting, it's got it, it it's melting away because because that it, it, it's just it's just such a good rookie class man. I mean it's it, we haven't seen anything like this since 2011 and it's so, so whilst we're on whilst we're on the corners I'll put post something to you. In my opinion, this this is probably forget DeAndre Hopkins. Because it's Kyler. Daniel Jones didn't look at Tariq. Kyler was never going to look at Tariq after Tariq picked him off. It was it was obvious. Mm-hmm. He tried. DeAndre literally. I swear DeAndre Hopkins went over to Tariq Woolen's side for three quarters of that game mm-hmm. and was solely one on one with Tariq Woolen. And Kyler only dared went to him once and never went to him again. Yeah. So put a bit of context with. Hopkins, he locked him down at the end of the day by stopping yep. by stopping him being passed to. He essentially locking him down. But he's now going to face a guy who isn't scared to throw him. And you've got a body like Mike Evans who isn't going to be scared to get physical with him. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to see how much has Tariq truly learned. Because I honestly believe outside of Maybe Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup. This is going to be for me his main test. This yeah. is going to be Mike Evans is going to because Mike Evans is physical. Cooper yeah. Cup and Devontae Adams are route running geniuses. They'll mm-hmm. burn you up on their route. Mm-hmm. So they're a different challenge altogether. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a physical body on body matchup. Mike Evans is going to get in his face, he's going to be all over him. Tom Brady, come see me after we beat you. Is that not what he famously said to Sherm? Yeah. And I think he's going to get a taste of the same medicine if he tries it. Honestly, I think I think you 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 go up against DK in training every single day. Hmm. That should prepare you for Mike Evans. If they've not got Tariq Woolen lined up against DK all week and told DK, get physical, rough him up. Then I'll be shocked because that's all you need to do. Same body type, same stature, same strength, same pretty much everything. Them two, it's gonna be a fucking test. I I cannot wait to watch this matchup. This is like it's it, it's like in anything waiting for the best horses to race each other, the best boxers to fight each other. It's the best corn, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL going up against one of the best wide receivers in the NFL this season, um, and. And I, I think he can. I think I, I think he can match up with Mike Evans. He's got the size to, to match Mike Evans. He's got the speed to match Mike Evans. He's got the speed to match any receiver. But this is more, for me, size in terms of Mike Evans can high point a football over Tariq Woolen, if that's the case. Not not a lot of receivers you know, can go up and high point a football above Tariq Woolen because he's too big. Mike Evans is, is as big as Tariq Woolen, pretty much, and will be able to go up and high point footballs if Brady decides that's what he's going to do. Um, so it is. It's look, it, this is going to be a real, real test for Tariq Woolen, and um, the fact that we're even sitting here 
having this conversation is testament to Tariq Rowan. Can he can he can he match up against Mike? Could he really be that good already? Well, we're going to see. We're going to see this weekend. And do you know what? I, I, I'm not going to sail down the river and, and, and back out of the Tariq Woolen and get off at the Tariq Woolen stop on, on the Tariq Woolen train. I ain't getting off at this stop yet. I, I'm backing my boy all the way. Tariq Woolen can match up with Mike Evans. I've, I've seen no evidence to suggest that he can't so far through the first nine weeks of the season. Um, I think this kid is truly, truly special. And um, yeah, I, I, why not? Why not? Why not? But is it going to be a big test? Because our D-line plays the way it's playing. You whack, you whack Brady early and often, yeah. he will start throwing picks all over this mm-hmm. looking shop. And he stays in the pocket. He's, this isn't a quarterback that's like Kyle Murray is going to roll. I know that's very, you know, not, that's fairly obvious to say that, but in terms of the way the D-line's playing at the minute, they could if they get the better of this Bucks offensive line, uh, it might be a long day for Tom Brady. That's that where pocket. we win it. That's where that's where we win it. Yeah, we. I can only say win it in the trenches. We're doing a bit of a game review <laughs> preview here, but oh. it's true. We, our D line gets to Brady early and often. We win that game. Absolutely. No matter how much by we just win that game because it, it he won't get a new rhythm and He'll get frustrated throwing helmets. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um. Before we leave the defence and get to positive pairs, all of our favourite segments, and I'm going to have to sing his jingle on my own this week. Um, I thought I'll leave you with this Seahawks defence stats. One more little bit of statelitis, even though Pez, I'm sure he'll probably going to, you know, have statelitis in positive Pez's segment. Um, the Seahawks defence over the last four weeks, since week six, obviously our four-game winning streak, um, this Seahawks defence is yards per play, 4.3. That is first in the NFL. Sacks. 19, which is tied first in the NFL. A QBR rating of 31, which is second in the NFL. And takeaways of seven, which is tied second in the NFL. So pretty much at this moment in time, over the last four weeks, since the Seahawks have started going on this winning streak, you're pretty much looking at about the best defence in the NFL at this point. How I, I, I didn't think we'd be saying that about this group of defensive players from the first not first half of the season, but the first half of the season so far, if you know what I mean, um, through the first kind of four or five weeks when we were really, D-line wasn't getting anything going, you know, and now all of a sudden, just one one change, whatever they've made, like we said, I don't think it's a schematic change because I'm seeing them lining up in the same coverages, same packages. I just think something has been said, maybe an, maybe another accountability meeting, maybe another, you know what, just let the reins go, I'm not, forget all this nonsense, you just go on and see ball, get ball, whatever's happened, this defence is now a legit, legit defence, and hopefully, hopefully, because it's always been a criticism of a, of a Seahawks defence, can they sustain it for for an entire season, let's hope that this defence can continue to sustain this upward momentum for the rest of the season now, um, but again, just reasons to be fucking so optimistic with this season, whatever happens, Um for the future going forward. This is a team that is not going to be going away anytime soon. Apologies to the rest of the NFL. Um, right. Positive pairs. Positive pairs. What are you positive about this week, my friend? So we've spoke about it centers around Brady. And we spoke about hitting him early and often. Nothing from our D-line has shown me that they're ready to slow down. If anything, you get Daryl Taylor back, you get healthier on that line. It's only going to get better. 
So I'm calling that we get to Brady early and often, we fluster him, he starts throwing erratically, and I'm going to say that Tariq and Kobe are going to get a pick. <laughs> yes, like And the chin of the walls is going to get three sacks himself. And I'm going to call something now in my section. I think Trey Brown's going to play this game. Oh. You have, so my thinking, you have Mike Evans, who's banged up, Godwin, who's banged up, Julio Jones, can't stay healthy, Russell Gage, banged up. Any of them quartet who's playing. So I think this is a perfect game for Trey Brown to come in, sit five yards off, as many of our listeners will know, my brother's pet peeve of prevent. Sit five yards off, ten yards off, let them catch that ball, and then go to a missile and whack them straight in the chest, like he did against Claypool. I could see it happening in this game. A couple of big bodies against a little pit bull to make his statement like, hello, I'm back, and just whack one of them like out of the game. Not like I'm not maliciously wanting them to be hurt, but they'll just won't want to know anymore. Mm. I could see that happening. Offense, I'm going to say Noah Fant's going to get his first touchdown on the back of last week's production. It's Does going to be... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, it's second, but I, I know what you mean. Yeah, it feels like it would be know, his first touchdown. You know what? I'll wipe that off then because my first thought was... It's going to be DK. It's going to be a DK show this show. Okay. Tyler Lockett's going to get bottled up a little bit uh, in coverage. DK. I reckon DK could have two or three touchdowns by himself. Can't leave Ken out of it. Can't leave Ken. For all my thing of this is a big test, I think he's going to pass his test and he's going to dominate the whole game. Run all over them. Easily 100. I'm going to say... A hundred well, because of how hard the defense is, I don't think it's that shabby to say over a hundred yards, mm. over a hundred yards, and at least two touchdowns. That's a big call against this Bucks defense, Pez. But you know what? So, what I'm going to say, because hypothetically, DK getting two or three and Ken getting two or three is that means we're in massive territory, either or, either or That's pick fine, your poison, yeah. one of them's happening. Finally. One of them's getting two touchdowns and going over 100 yards either way. Well, listeners, jot all them down as you do every single week and we'll come back and see if any of those have come true this week. And if they have, I think the Seahawks will win if, if any of those have come true. Um, but yes, They're going to win. 30... Let me do quick maths in my head. 38... 21. 38-21. I, I will go then, if we're doing a little score prediction to finish, I will say, because I think this book's defence is very good, I think this will be 20... I'm going to say 27's been our scoreline this year for, for, for a random reason. We've had a couple of scorelines with 27. I'll say 
21. 27-21 Seahawks. That's what I'll go nice. with. Um, if, if, if you listeners want to send in your predictions and stuff, please do. We'll retweet them if, if you want to do that in the Discord chat. Get involved. Um, Pez has put I do have finger. a listener question. You do have a listener question. Quick, it came in whilst we're recording on Twitter. Oh, lovely. From Zach's. Sorry, mate. I'm not going to try and say your tag, but it's Zach's is his name. Uh, and his question is, is this team playing at their talent level or being coached above it? Oof, that is a that is a good question. We might have to transfer that question over into the bye week as well, but we'll answer it now as well whilst we're on air, um, because that is a very good question that you could spend a lot of time on. Is it? Be, I think that, I think to be, it's probably a, a shit answer, but I think that's a bit of both, really. I think this this team is absolutely playing at its talent level in terms of what you're seeing is what you get at this moment in time. Um, but I think I think this coaching team is doing an outstanding job. You have to say they're yeah. doing an outstanding job. I think I'd say it's hard to say. Like I, I said, it's a it's a bi week question because you can is. go depth into it. But basically, so Zach's we will. In the bye week pod, we'll get more in depth into absolutely. That's a good question. Into what into what you uh, asked, but basics for me is the players who aren't as talented, who are more raw, they're being coached above their talents, whereas the the players who have the talent Mm. are playing to their ability. Like your DKs, your Tylers, your um, Jordan, your Austin Blythes. Whereas I'd say your Tariq Woolen, your Kobe Bryant, your Ryan Neal. Um, I took obviously Nawosu in the talented pool. Um, Boy Mafe. So my point is the rookies with rawness. They're being coached. I wouldn't say above their level. They're being coached to the potential. See, I, I, I'm on the other side. I know we'll get into this on in the in the bio week, but I'm on the other side. I think these what you're seeing. I think the rookies are playing at their talent level because for me, I don't think you've had enough time to coach up these rookies to play at this level. This is for someone like a Tariq Warner or a Ken Walker. You can't have had enough time to coach them up to to play above their level. I, do you yeah, know what but I mean? Ken's, Ken's different. No one coaches Ken. Well, that's to say with Tariq. Uh, do you know what I mean? I, with, when I watch Tariq, I don't. I, I, I just think I know nobody's, what you mean. I nobody's mean had the time. Yeah. yeah, but it, it, we are definitely going to get into that in the bike. That is a very yeah. Good I'm going to have to. Question. I'm going to have to have a deeper thought into that because yes, how I meant it, it probably didn't translate because I agree with what you're saying. I'm mm. not knocking the rookies. I'm just saying. I'm just saying they're being coached. They're being coached up because I don't think they've hit their talent level yet. That's fair. That's fair. So I don't think they're being coached above their talent level. Mm. Like they're super exceeding. Like I'd say Ryan Neal, mm-hmm. you could say is super exceeding his talent level. Mm-hmm. Or are we just finding out where his ceiling is? Whereas Tariq and Kobe and that and Ken, they're not being coached above it. They're being coached to find out, like, to realise what their level is. 
You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because they probably don't know yet. They've been coached to, to to show what their ceiling truly is. Mm. That's how I view it. That is, a, that is an interesting question. We are definitely going to get that in, in more in depth into that in, in the bio week. But for now, um, thank you all so much for listening. As always, if any of you are heading over to Munich for the first game in Munich this week, safe travels, enjoy it. Um, it it's going to be a hell of an experience. And, um, and we're going to come back next week and talk about it, whatever happens, win or loss. This is what we do on the We Talk Seahawks podcast. Um, but for now, thank you for listening. As always, we do really appreciate it. Thank you to my right-hand man, Pez, as always, for for good, for joining me, as always. We'll have Josh back next week. And, um, and yeah, man, but for now, go Hawks, man. That's seven and three. That sounds good to me. Go Hawks, man. Go Hawks. <laughs>